Welcome to the weekly podcast dedicated to amazing people with incredible journeys. But how did they get there? Who were the characters that impacted their stories? And how are they paying it forward now? Sit back and be inspired to go out and make a difference in the origin stories of the people you know, and even some that you don't. Welcome to the prequel. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Prequel Podcast. I am your host, Mike Azalina, and I am so excited to have you back for another episode of the Prequel. We've got a great guest lined up for you uh, today, and we'll get to him in just a moment. But before we do, I think part of your Prequel, right, it's, it's the people that you come across in your life. We've talked a lot about those people, both with our guests and, and myself but there's also the experiences, the rituals that we have that are part of our prequels that make us who we are. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a tradition that means a lot to me and means a lot to my story and, and something that I lean on every single year uh, to, you know, sort of mark the beginning of summer. And it began, I would say, about eight years ago, maybe uh, a few years after my wife and I got married happens every Memorial Day weekend. There's the Harrisburg Arts Festival, which is about 10 minutes from from where we've lived on either side of our marriage uh, before when we lived on one side of the river and now we live on the other side of the river. It's about 10 minutes either direction. So um, we've been fortunate that it's super close by and it's just a fun day for us. And as I said before, you know, rituals are part of our prequel, the things that we've done with our families growing up, the traditions that we've had. And then you build new traditions with the people who become part of your permanent story, right? So that's Andrea for me. And we have this uh, tradition that we take part in every single uh, Memorial Day weekend. And it involves going to this arts festival. And now, don't now hear me out. Growing up, I was never really big into the arts. I wasn't a great uh, artist. I wasn't a great musician. Uh, I was an athlete, and that was it. Uh, but once you asked me if I wanted to go one year, I was like, sure, let's check it out. And I haven't regretted it any time since. Uh, I look forward to the day every year. It's just a a festival with artists and food all along the river. There's music, live music, two different stands. And we pretty much have a routine that we go through. And it it involves um, stopping for a drink and some appetizers at some of one of the local bars nearby. And then we walk through and we support artists, uh, whether it's photography. We have a whole bunch of photography on our wall. Post a couple of those pictures here as I'm talking. And, uh, you know, we, we found an artist who does a lot of like sports, especially Philadelphia sports right after my heart there. Uh, he does a lot of like graphic design art. So I buy some of his things. Andrea is looking for jewelry, getting jewelry for herself, for my family, for her family uh, as we're there as well. So there are artists from all over the country. Some are localized here in Pennsylvania. Others are from, you know, down South. We met a, a couple from New Orleans who were there and selling their, their book art. So I was, immediately attracted to them because of how much I love to read uh, and write. So uh, there's just all these people and you learn all of these stories based on, you know, what inspires them, what makes them, you know, part of what makes art part of who they are. The man who did all of our photography, the animal photography has so many great stories about where he was, what happened when he took that photo. It's something that we've always enjoyed. Unfortunately, Ken no longer comes to the Harrisburg Arts Festival. So Ken, if you're out there, come back. Uh, but this one specifically was really interesting. We uh, 
we spent most of our time uh, walking through the arts festival, but we also had a gift certificate to a restaurant nearby. We got to the car at the end of our walk through the arts festival after a couple of hours um, through there and decided that we were going to walk. And it was about a mile, mile and a half walk. And Andrea said, you know, seven minute drive. And in my head, I just doubled the time, right? 15 minutes. No, 40 minute walk. After about 20 minutes, I said, are we almost there? She said, we have 13 minutes left. And I just wanted to stop. I just wanted to stop. I wanted it to be over. We get there. The food's great. Takes a little long to get our check. That's fine. Part of the story. But then they tell us they don't accept that type of gift card anymore. It was on paper and people had been reprinting them. Why? To make their own money. Sounds terrible. Awful to do to a, a local business. So we didn't even get to use our gift card. End of story right there, right? You think it's, it's angering. But then we took this beautiful walk back that felt like 10 minutes because we walked along the river. I'm walking with a person that I love, that I love spending time with. There's this amazing sunset as we're walking. And that's really the story, right? So there's all these other events that happen. The walk, you know, they don't allow us to use our gift card. All of these things that could have made the story not great. Could have been a bad part of my prequel. Right, could have frustrated me, and at times I, I was. But I think in the grand scheme, as I look back on the scope of the entire story, there's way too many positives and not enough negatives. So uh, it, it's important that when you look at the grand scheme of a story, even if it feels negative in the moment, look at the positives. Someone that you love, part of it that you can share and a laugh with afterward, because we told the story like three times now, and we both laugh every time we tell it. Uh, was there a good part to take out of it? The sunset that was behind us as we walked, the walk along the river. Always look for the positives in a story, right? Because if you can't do that, then it's going to be really hard to move forward from that moment. So I just wanted to share that with you for a couple of layers. I hope you have rituals that you can make part of your uh, prequel that you can always tell people about and, and let them lean into those. And, and maybe that inspires them to build their own. But also because I wanted to make sure that I was really intentional about even in the bad, you can still find some good. So I hope you enjoyed that story. I think you'll enjoy this interview just a little bit more. Very luck lucky to have Dominique Dom Brightman. Uh, he's a uh, national best-selling author uh, and a speaker, and we're going to get right into it because he'll be able to tell us all about the great things that he's done and how he got there uh, through his prequel. And I'll talk to you all afterward, uh, but I think you'll really enjoy this one. All right, everybody, without any further ado, here's Dom Brightman. All right, y'all, welcome into the prequel studio, and I am honored to be joined by Mr. Dominique Dom Brightman. Dom, my friend, welcome to the prequel. My man, Mr. M.A. Not from the M.A., the Mighty Mike. Thanks for having me on your show, man. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, man, absolutely. So, so, Dom, for those of you that do not know, you better find out soon. Dom is the author of Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself, followed by his bestseller, Stay the Course, The Elite Performer, Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success, and also the host of the Going North podcast. Did I see you have like like 650 plus episodes of that, Dom? Yeah, man, it's it's grown immensely. Like I thought I was going to do maybe 50 episodes and go about my merry way, but kind of got addicted to it. It's like the Jim Jones Kool-Aid, but better. You get to live afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Dom, 
So I'm like, I gotta know, I gotta know, because I could go like on and on with the list of accolades and and things that you've done. As I was researching and reading about you, I just so impressed with all of the work that you've done. And and certainly, is there anything like as 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 I read through that, and I, I know that your first book, Going North, you wrote at the age of 23, and that's quite an accomplishment. And and so I just I, I'm gonna start by saying like. Fill in the blanks. What else do we need to know about Don Brightman? Author, podcaster, speaker, like what? Tell us, tell us, fill in the blanks, man. What's your story? <laughs> sure thing. Well, I guess something I rarely even drop or even mention during interviews is that educators rock because my senior year of high school, I was actually <clears throat> awarded with an award called the Most Academic Pro- Progress Award, like who showed incremental growth through their four years in high school since I stayed at a Christian high school for those four years and I showed growth all four of those years and like I I didn't even know that was an award they gave out I felt like they made that one just for me as a piece of encouragement because I saw my friends graduate a year before I did and that wasn't even award listed and I'm like shoot y'all actually gave me this I'm like shoot I still got the plaque hanging up to this freaking day it was wood and got the gold plate or whatever at least it's shiny and gold and has my name on it. I'm like I'll freaking keep it and that's really just one of the main words of my life is progress like I'm all about pro- progress progressing forward really just being a positive force for helping folks to progress in life because I've had great folks who have really helped me to really <laughs> stay up all night after being metaphorically being born yesterday. <laughs> the late great Paul Moody was saying, like, yeah, I may have been born yesterday, but I stayed up all night because I had great mentors and coaches and teachers, whether they were in Sunday school or the occasional grade school teacher I liked from first to 12th grade who actually was enjoyable, they actually enjoyed getting wisdom from, and really just applying those lessons bit by bit to my life and then eventually moving on and following in love with reading again in 2013 where I discovered wow like nonfiction books with great stories great tips and techniques to really advance yourself forward is really where it's at because the thing is I I hated reading after probably I'd say probably middle school like I just hated reading because it's like the stuff I was being required to read or given to read for homework I'm like man this mess put me to sleep I remember even a couple weeks before my 11th grade year I think we were assigned the Scarlet Scarlet Letters a book and like I got to page two and then I just fell straight asleep next thing I know I woke up three hours later it was like 9 p.m. and I'm like oh well this might be a sign of what's to come for this school year. I guess I'm out all the way to eventually becoming a writer myself and joining the metaphorical business of immortality by publishing books of my own after being inspired by reading other great books, especially nonfiction, self-help books, especially leadership, psychology, and sales and things like that. Because the thing is, if you read those type of books and you take action from them books, you're basically a guinea pig and you're going to come out one way or another if you're actually taking action from those nonfiction books because nonfiction is where the action happens and when the action happens that'll be the inspiration for others to succeed my guy i mean you just basically quoted this whole podcast so that's like, <laughs> we can end the prequel after like five six episodes we're good man you just that's it you just nailed the whole thing in one swoop i gotta tell everybody who's listening when when dom came into the studio I said, you know, uh, how's it going, Dom? And he says, it's going north. And that, my friends, 
is the key to positivity. Using his podcast name, that hit me right in the heart. Like I loved it. So Dom, I want to turn to that for a second because you mentioned your mentality is always going north. You're always trying to move forward, be a positive force, uh, move people toward progress, right? Your podcast is all around authors, right? You've interviewed what, like 500 authors in your time doing that podcast to inspire other authors. Can you just talk about what that experience has been like for you? And, and we'll start there because I have so many questions as an aspiring author myself. What, what has that experience been like for you to interview all these amazing authors throughout your, your time doing Going North? Wow, I guess if I were to pick three words to describe it, fun is the first one, enlightening is the second one, and I guess the third one would be, hmm, I guess fulfilling in a way, because the thing is the fun part. One question I like to ask all the guests who appear on the show now, and I've started asking folks this question after reaching like episode 400 or so, it was like, hey, if your book were a food, what would it be and why? And most folks, uh, they're just taking it back. Either they're, they'll be like, hmm, that's an interesting question. Or they'll bust out laughing. Or they'll ask me to repeat the question because they think I was freaking joking. I'm like, no, I'm half joking. I'm really not joking. Like, if your book is a fool, what would it be and why? Because it gets them to think. Because the thing is, like, from, like, the small ages in grade school were taught the whole five senses, the see, hear, taste, and smell. Then the taste part. Like, you're really not going to get the taste part from a book unless they talk about food and it's like well it's like let's hit that sense for a second and get folks to think outside of their box because one guest in particular like he mentioned that his book would be blueberries because it's all about decluttering and the thing is that actually has a correlation because the thing is blueberries are listed as a food that's good for your brain good for your memory especially for those who may be dealing with aging parents who may be getting up there in age where the decades are getting more than <laughs> well i guess their grades from back in the day it's like they're getting further to the centenarian age as opposed to getting closer to the grade school age where they had more structure and they probably didn't like the teachers if they had the evil ones who may have appeared evil and the thing was like when you declutter you basically are keeping your energy fresh like there's a reason why feng shui is a field that folks can go in and actually become a professional at it like making sure that the room is full of positive energy because the thing is if your room is cluttered and full of energy and you're a hoarder like that's really a sign of you keeping things inside of you way too much like if you sometimes folks who may have hoarding tendencies like i've had those every now and then where I've walked into an empty room, like, the thoughts seem to flow a lot more. There's a reason why, like, I like to inform authors or inspire if they ask for advice for writing is to find their POP, their place of productivity. For me, it's coffee shops. During COVID, my productivity was cut in half because we were stuck at home. And, yeah, I can make coffee at home, but I still had distractions at home. Like, I still had my laptop with me, still had my gaming systems. I finally joined the PS4 train and bought a lot of games and spent dozens of hours on those since it's like, well, can't leave the house, and I'm basically teleworking some would call it hella work at the time <laughs> and it's like well i guess um i might as well listen and prepare for interviews while um basically <laughs> playing these games so i can multitask and then the enlightening experience is the fact that i've interviewed the youngest on my show she was a 14 year old girl who took her 
bullying experience in school where sadly the administration at a private school really didn't do anything about it to a therapist a psychotherapist who was 80 at the time and still she's probably like 82 now it's almost been two years where she's published lots of award-winning articles and work and her latest book at the time was from trigger to tranquil where she takes folks through her process of helping folks to get out of their trigger state or finding the triggers so that way they can get into more tranquil states. So just being able to combine and listen to those different stories from different generations and learning from them and just realizing that at the end of the day, even though we have different areas of expertise and stories and experience, at the end of the day, we're all still human no matter what. Because... I like to joke that I'm a random black guy from Baltimore who was like, man, like it, at that one time, like my second book was about elite performance. So I'm like, who the heck am I to talk about elite performance after talking with these people? And one of the major things is to really drop that comparison gap in your life because the comparison gap is that gap in between where you are and where you want to be because there's gaps in life. And being able to close that gap and avoid that trap and really tapping more into your self-worth and realizing that you have true inner value that will enlighten you to the next level to where it's like you get that level of fulfillment where being being able to talk with authors and have those conversations where i get to be more of myself through podcasting because when you talk with so many folks and you learn so many things you get to find some commonalities in between folks and that gives me free reign to play around and mess with people to a fault as well because one guest in particular she had her one word for the year as fun and she was failing horribly at it and i'm like all right she's about to get an over exaggerated intro <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all where i talked about how she has a gun show because on her cover she had a sleeveless dress and her arms are pretty toned up so i'm like yeah so she was basically punching Big blocks of dry ice in Antarctica or something. And she's just shaking her head with a big smile on her face that helped her to really get to that next level. So being able to have that fun, being able to be enlightened and to have that fulfillment of seeing others smile and just helping others to really have a better day as a result. Like that's that's really what it's been like to do the podcast and still do it. Because right now the goal of the show is to interview over a thousand authors across the globe and about 750 in so far. That's incredible. It's incredible. And I, I, I'm telling you right now, you, you, you got another listener. I can't wait to sit down and, and, and gain this, this knowledge that you're talking about and soak it in as, as someone who wants to be an author. You struck me in one comment there about that comparison gap. And I think it's a, that can be a slippery slope, Tom. And I want to talk a little bit about that and even kind of pick your brain on, on if you've ever fallen into this, into this hole. I was, I was asked the question today and it was a really great question. How do you know the difference in your life, uh, between surviving and thriving? And as I sat there and thought about that question, it, what came to my head was exactly what you just talked about. I know I'm thriving when something goes wrong and I'm not looking at the person who's gone right for and saying, how do I get to be like them? Why did I fail? And they succeeded. I'm thriving when something goes wrong and I can say, that's all right. I'm going to, I'm not going to compare myself to them or, or compare myself to what I would have been had I gotten it right the first time. I'm going to take the next step to get to that point. What is that for me? What is the next step for me? So, but that's not to say 
dumb that I have never fallen into that trap, that comparison gap, and look to the person to my right and surviving over here saying, all right, I'm going to grab onto them and hope that I can figure out what they did. I've been there, right? And it's hard. It's tough to get out of. So I'm going to ask you as a, as a writer, as an author, have you ever looked around the room at some of the others that you're interviewing and been like, how do I get there? And how do you get out of that? Like, what is it that you do? You're a positive guy. Talk me through it, man. I need it. <laughs> sure thing. Definitely. And you brought up some great points indeed, because it's being able to look at that person who may have seemingly what you want to have. And this actually reminds me of a story in one of Zig Ziglar's books. I forgot which one, like a lot of them have been repurposed and repackaged, but where he was talking about the wheel of life, where apparently this young executive was talking with this coach where he was like, all right, you like this, you like your boss, your supervisor or whatever. It's like, oh, he looks successful to you. Let's go through the wheel of life from one to 10. How would you rate his family life? And it's like, oh, well, I guess maybe, I don't know, a three or five. He's always complaining about his wife, always arguing with him and his kids. It's like, all right, we'll give him a two on that one. It's like, all right, financially, he's like, oh, he's a, i probably give him, like, I don't know, maybe a seven, like he's my boss or whatever. And then just going through his things and whatnot through this whole different areas and health and things like that. And then when they went through the whole wheel, he discovered, man, I don't think I really want to be like my boss now. And it's really stuff like that where it's like you have to take an objective view and even avoiding social media from time to time as well especially if you get thoughts of like oh my gosh like they got all this stuff out there they got their book out like man i, I want to get my book out too and it's like oh they finally closed that big deal oh they're speaking at the stage or whatever <laughs> two extra sidebars about that one the first one is they could possibly repurpose that <laughs> Photoshop or photo shoot from another speaking engagement because I was at a panel this past weekend at the time of this recording and one person was talking about repurposing content and we were talking about it before we all were up at the panel and he talked about how he shared a photo from a speaking engagement on his Facebook feed and folks were like man where when was this like where is this man he's like oh this was from two years ago <laughs> and <laughs> folks are just shocked because it's like the thing is sometimes especially in this age of algorithms where the big machine like it's it's still out there where it's like yeah one can possibly suck at using social media for a business but on the other hand it's like hey you got this tool here that still has some built-in features that's really challenging you to really grow and folks may not see everything like you could have like 3,000 friends but only maybe 30 people see it or should I say maybe 300 folks will see it and then maybe only 30 folks will actually comment on it or actually engage with it so you have to really realize like sometimes folks who put certain things out there that's only their highlight reel that's not their 24 7 day to day they're not doing that all the time they may be in a worse situation than you like they may probably have brown grass on 90 of their 100 acres you like the whole grass is green on the other side thing like you're probably only seeing the 10 acres of the kentucky bluegrass compared to the other 90 acres that's freaking brown <laughs> so like keeping that in mind and then also reminding yourself of your true value indeed because from a wonderful ancient book talked about this uh, spiritual healer and savior in a way that you he told his disciples that you'll do greater works than me 
And when you think about it at first, it's like, wow, this guy healed the sick and raised the dead. Like, we're going to do greater than that. But when you look at today's society, it's really possible. Like, the tools we have today can reach tons of more people than folks back in those ancient days where they wore sandals as opposed to sneakers. <laughs> where sneakers probably weren't even a thing. Like, they didn't have Pumas back in those days. Like, really being able to tap into your own value, realize your own value. And then when you see other social media posts, realize that, hey, like that they may be showing you those 10 acres of Kentucky bluegrass when the other grass, the other 90 acres of their 100 acres is really brown to Cleveland. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. And that, and again, that's that's really I, I've, I've tried to stay a little bit more in that lane when it comes to social media of understanding that. It is, it is really someone's perfect life, right? That we're seeing a lot of, of what is great. And I do see people sometimes who come out and say, look, this is where I'm struggling, right? And I appreciate and respect that vulnerability, Don, because that's hard. It's hard to show people our scars. And I think some of the greatest leaders that I've ever come across, the, the, the strongest teachers that I've ever worked with, right? They're, they're willing to show those scars. They're willing to make those, those mistakes. Uh, they're, they're willing to put themselves out there in a way that, that helps me to connect to them because it humanizes us, right? It humanizes us. And, it, and then there's really not that gap. And I think that uh, when we can humanize ourselves, it makes people, you know, connect with us. And, and I think it, it does create a little bit more of a positive atmosphere. And as I listen to you speak, I just, you radiate this positivity. So I have to ask you, like, where in your life, who in your life, it, was it someone in your family? Was it someone that you met? You talked a little bit about teachers that, you know, you really were able to dig into, believed in you. Where'd you learn this positivity from? Like, who was it that was that showed you that this is, this is the light, right? This is how we follow. And how do you live that in your day to day? Ah, good question. I'd have to point to really a few people. My dad with his work ethic, like he was in his early eighties, still lifting heavy boxes of food from the food bank for the church's soup kitchen. And he would complain a bit, but he, and cause he was so tired and, like body was sore, but it's like, well, you're in your early eighties <laughs> helping out the church with some heavy boxes. I mean, it's like, Hey, you still, there's, there's still some life in you, but yeah, it's probably going to hurt a lot more than someone who's in their teens or twenties, even though they weren't available during the hours of the day to help out. And he mentioned that, <laughs> that God gave him a life to live and that he's been too good to him for, my dad himself to like not do anything with it so this life that we have like there's troubles there's always going to be trouble that's a sign that you're living and that's a sign that you're still alive because as the les brown quote always says hey you'll never get out of life alive like we might as well live and there's going to be those peaks and valleys you're going to have those high moments where you're on top of the world and then you're down in the valley where it's like man i gotta fight off these darn hyenas thinking i'm dead or vultures who may try to pick at me it's like shoot like, hey, you got to deal with all this stuff. And another positive role model, I'd say, would have to be, I'd have to say Zig Ziglar and John Maxwell were two other folks. Like, Zig Ziglar's talks and his speeches were definitely encouraging, and his sense of humor is encouraging. And just John Maxwell with him basically being my favorite author of all time because his content is amazing and great. And he's helped me to become a better thinker through his wonderful book called Thinking for a Change. 
And one of the major questions that, heck, even Ben Franklin himself would ask himself every day is, what good will I do today? Focusing on the good and asking yourself, what good will I do? Because the thing with the question is, it requires a response. And when you ask yourself that question the night before, and you don't have an answer yet, your brain can go to sleep and cook. Your subconscious mind can go go cook. It's like, hey, it's kind of like that meme on social media <laughs> where you got <laughs> Rick and Woody holding back sources. Hold up, <laughs> let them cook. It's like that's basically your brain <laughs> when you ask it a question, a powerful question, before you go to sleep because a good day starts the night before. And when you focus on doing good and then at the end of the day reflecting on your day on what good did I do today and you did that thing when it comes to really maybe even giving some change out to someone who's homeless maybe giving someone to eat if they ask for something to eat like contacting someone you haven't talked to in a while no especially during the cold month checking up on your senior citizen neighbors or someone in the area or just being a like a phone pal buddy with someone who may feel alone with those folks like it's there's so many things out there we can do to focus on the good and also really avoiding the news as well because especially during the year that shall not be named where they were going crazy with all these numbers from all these different areas and parts of the world talking about a certain pandemic where it's like wow i can't freaking hear this crap all day like let me go to something else let me go to youtube let me go to the real tv of the 21st century and choose what i really want to watch and make sure the ad blockers installed when i'm on my desktop so that way i'm not advertising some bs i don't want to hear <laughs> <laughs> you know dom i gotta tell you you're, you a lot that you've said there resonated i think the the media the news is very difficult you know i i just um led some listening circles with teachers uh, from all across the country on uh you know how they're dealing with school shootings and that mm -hmm. just that that idea of I, I can't turn on the news when it happens because i perseverate on it and that's the last thought i have before i go to bed and like you just said a good day starts at night the night before and if, and if I'm watching news that's negative and really hard to come out of, it's very difficult to be resilient in those moments. It's hard to find the resilience to bounce back from something that's so in your face negative. So I, I, that resonated quite a, quite a bit with me as you were talking about the media. I think, you know, I, I also love dictating what I watch. I mean, I, I'm an avid sports fan. So when 2020 mm -hmm. was around, I didn't have that to lean on. You know, there wasn't, I was watching games from like the eighties on YouTube. Like that's where, <laughs> there you go. That's, that's where I was just trying to find any positive, right? Like that's, that's, that's all part of it. And, and I appreciated the people. I love that you made the personal connection to your, to your father. I, I think that's my, I've talked about it on this show. My grandfather is the person that I always think about when I think about that positive impact. And he's the one who passed along the art of storytelling and, and why I love stories such as yours so much. And I, and I, 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 I brings me to my next question for you, which is, you know, you, you've become this lover of reading. You, you know, your father passed along positivity. You talked about John Maxwell and Zig Ziglar, but I got to know, like, where did this love of reading come from and who pushed you to write a book at the age of 23 years old, man? Like, that's just wild to me because it is <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm 36 and I don't know that like I still don't know if my life experiences are going to be enough for people to look at and say, 
yeah, this guy, like, wow. Like, so who pushed you? Because there were people who pushed me to do this. Who did that for you? Who was the person who pushed you in that direction? Hey, solid question. And just encouragement for you, Mike, like, man, don't disqualify your own story, man, because the thing is, there are some folks out there who's going to resonate with your story when that book finally comes out. And there's the good there's the good and the bad part about it. The good news is those folks are going to read your book. The bad news is they're also going to be folks who don't read your book, kind of like me. Like, funny enough, my sister. <laughs> Maybe this time today, I'm not going to say her name, obviously, if she hears this. Oh, well, like, it was like two years after my first book was published. My book is like 64 pages, and she said she still hasn't read the darn thing. I'm like, what the hell? So, like, it's okay, man. There's going to be some people out there who aren't going to read your book, but those are going to read it and enjoy it. Like, they'll resonate with your story because the thing is – your story matters no matter how big or small it is because your small story that may be small to you may be a big impact to someone else. So so what if you didn't conquer like stage five cancer or run up a burning building while on a parachute being a stunt double for Fast and Furious 35? Like it, it doesn't <laughs> have to be crazy. Like as long as it's relatable and it's told well, you'll be fine. And as for... Who inspired me? It was actually a lady that I met at a networking event, and she actually was a politician in Delaware at the time. I, I won't go any more deeper into that because she wanted her <laughs> identity to remain hidden. But fair, I'm like, very she, fair, she, very she, fair. She probably knows I'm going to brag about her. That's probably the reason why. It's like, hey. <laughs> like, we're not even dating. You'll be fine. Like, you'll be fine. But anyways, I was like handing out these wonderful reading list of people as opposed to business cards because business cards end up forgotten or in the trash and my contact info was at the bottom of those lists and she looked at the list looked right back at me, me and looked at the list and looked at me and asked it's like so uh where's your name on this list i'm like oh yeah it's right there the dom bribing the 443 it's like no i ain't talking about your contact info i'm talking about you as a freaking writer and i'm like Ah, uh, no, I ain't got no story to write about. I want to put my name on the list. And she was like, hey, how about a year from today you write a book? And I'm like, wow, that sounds freaking awesome. I'm like, nope, not doing it. This was like 2015 when I was just turned freaking like 22. And she was like, okay, how about a year from today we both become published authors? How about we write books together? And I'm like, Wow, that is a special kind of person to want to do that, to be in the fire with you, to be in the trenches with you like that. And I'm like, nah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. <laughs> a little fun fact for you. Like a few months before, I wrote a obituary, and I mentioned in that obituary that I was going to be a published author of multiple books. And then wow. it's kind of funny when you look back at this story, when I look back at it too, when I tell it from time to time like this, is that, okay, so you said your bitch where you're going to be a best-selling author of multiple books. A few months pass by, you get the opportunity to start that journey, and you don't do what the hell's wrong with you. So <laughs> <laughs> it ended up giving a talk in a Toastmasters meeting, and my buddy of mine... <laughs> who's in a book as a dedication like he was like hey so don when are you gonna write your book now mind you when i was in a meeting giving this talk the q a session the speech had nothing to do with writing books at all so i was like man it was like the longest moment of silence ever for me like there were just smiles across the room heard a couple chuckles and i'm like man i don't look i don't want to look like a punk up here on stage well here we go okay you're from today i'm gonna write my book and folks like, yeah, Dom, go get him. And then when the meeting was over, ran 
home and wrote 14 pages of raw content. That was the last chapter of my first book, Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself, and put myself on a plan to do some writing at different times at coffee shops after work. And eventually, 11 months later, I was able to get the book done around October 2016 after my 23rd birthday. And voila, the book was done, and it was a synthesized package. And the thing was, it's not a perfect book, but it was done. Like, sometimes you just have to put your work out there and then polish it as a way to go because there's so many books out there in their 5th edition or 6th edition, like their 25th anniversary edition 10th edition fifth year edition like once you put a book out there it's not the end all be all just see it as a collector's item for those who may become your biggest fans down the road and then polish it down the road to where it's even better than when you first put it out there because no one gets it right the first time and even if they're lucky and get it right the first time they may not get it right the second third and fifth time and they probably need that seventh opportunity after tasting some humble pie with some extra lego bricks on the floor while you're barefoot <laughs> so that way they can feel the victory again <laughs> so good so good yeah that would that, that don't feel good right it don't feel good but you learn from it it, it don't feel good but you learn from it so I, I wanted I want to ask you briefly about um, both your books, if you don't mind giving us a, a giving our listeners a little bit of a, a synopsis of, of the the books themselves and and you know what what kind of was the motivation behind them? So again, for those listening, and, and I'm going to put these in the show description: Going North Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself, and Stay the Course. The Elite Performer's Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success. Can you just talk us through, uh, you know, the back cover summary and, and, you know, what motivated you to write both of those? Sure thing. Yep. So first book written on a dare. That was a goal of mine and it was accomplished. <laughs> and it's a synthesized self-help package for the distracted mind because it's 65 pages. It's an easy read. Some would consider the content dense because it's all about helping to become a better thinker in one of the chapters, like the stuff I used in that book and that I've done in that book helped me to get a full-time job promotion at where I worked, and it also helped me to really take that first step into doing more speaking as well, and that book will encourage you to write your book of your own because you're like, if you ever get your hands on it, you're like, man, this book is really freaking thin here. It's like, shoot, if, if a freaking snot-nosed millennial at the time can write a book of my own, like me in my freaking 50s being a veteran, I could, I could do this. Like, to this day, to my knowledge, like five other people were able to get the confidence to get over that final hurdle to publish their work because they're like, hey, if he can do it, shoot, I can do it. And the second book itself, the follow-up book, Stay the Course, The Elite Performer's Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success. Try saying that seven times fast, then roll three times fast. I mean, that's why I keep on reading it <laughs> off of the page, because I know I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. There's a reason why the title's so dang long, but <laughs> here's a reason for that. It comes down to take my own darn advice, but... That book is really all about self-awareness being the major key of elite performance. And self-awareness starts as this wonderful mighty oak that has the different branches that makes the one self-awareness happen. So there's self-awareness as the major key, and then it branches off into mental awareness. The reason why mindset's probably 90% of the conversation you're going to hear in the entrepreneurial space if you want to be inspired 
Followed by influence awareness, where your influence, like brain care, what you listen to, what you read, who you hang around, that's a really important thing. To the time awareness, where you're focused on being aware of your time and not trying to manage it. Because at the end of the day, everybody gets the same amount of time, the 168 hours in a week. We all get the same amount of time. Like, like be, you have the same amount of time as Beyonce, Jay-Z, Bill Gates, and Elon Musk give the same amount of time. It's just the major difference is what you do with your time and if you have enough financial resources to buy more time by delegating work. And then the last two of the Mitch Acrostic, the connection awareness, connecting with other great humans, having that metaphorical Wi-Fi signal open to connect with other wonderful humans, and the H habit awareness, the glue that puts it all together, the thumb that completes the hand of self-awareness where your habits really determine your future because habits come after you practice a certain activity for so long to where it's basically muscle memory it's like the same route you take every day to work it's the same thing you do every day before going to work if you press the snooze button it's gonna be really hard to get out of that habit if you've done it for too long all the way to going to the gym after work or sometimes before work whether you start your day off of prayer or meditation and really just focusing on those positive habits and being aware of those habits so that way you can have a higher level of self-awareness to really have that level of elite performance so <laughs> yeah so first book was on the dare second book was the follow-up to help you sustain that performance because it's like yeah once you advance you gotta really stay at that level and what gets you to your next level isn't gonna keep you at your next level so that's the reason why the follow-up book is called stay the course <laughs> That's a great, it's, it, it's a great, and it's great insight, Dom, because <clears throat> so often it, we, we get comfortable in that, in that comfort zone, right? It's, it's really easy to stay there once we've tasted success and hard to step outside of it. It's hard to step outside of it to get there, right? It's hard to get It's hard to step outside to go North, but then it's harder once you get North to keep moving. I used to tell new teachers during supervision process that the key to getting better was self-reflection. I could come in and do an observation for an hour once a week and give you my feedback, right? But it's what you do with the feedback and what you do when you're alone in that classroom and reflect on how that day went to grow, right? It, that's how you grow. And, and, and using your resources, you talked about connectedness. There are how many other teachers in this building that you can lean on, use their minds. They're brilliant right? They're, they're brilliant people in this building. I'm not the only person. There are tons of people that are smarter than me that are in this building, right? And, and use them, be connected to them. So I, I loved, I loved that. And I love that you took it and bridged, took your initial idea and bridged it, especially through self-awareness, because I think often it's hard to look internally. Sometimes the look in the mirror is the most difficult look because we don't always want, we don't always see what we want to see. And uh, I, I appreciate that so, so much. So I, I look forward to reading both. I don't know if you noticed, but I already was putting them in my Amazon cart here as you were talking. So, <laughs> um, so hey, I, I got a couple more questions for you, Zom, and I'm going to let you go. You've been so generous with your time and I uh, certainly appreciate all the insight. So a, a few more, a few more questions for you here and then, and then I'll let you kind of slide away. But although I'm going to keep bothering you now that I want to be an author. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I, 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 I want to ask you, you know, you talked about your, your father and positivity, right? And you talked about the, the woman who pushed you to write your own book. Those, those people are very instrumental in your prequel. They've, they've driven part of this path with you. And, and, and I always ask this question and I'm, I'm curious to know, you've written the books, right? You, you, you live this positive lifestyle. I mean, from the moment you got on, we vibed like it, your positivity fed mine. And we just went back and forth for like 10 minutes before we started recording. And I appreciate that so much about you, but how else tell us, tell us how else you're paying that stuff forward in, in your day-to-day life or in your speaking. What, what, tell us how you're paying all that forward. Oh, good question. Definitely words of encouragement, like random acts of encouragement, like this, that probably needs to be a thing, like random acts of encouragement, like at least five people a day, like encouraging them, like having a kind word for somebody, like a random high five to a colleague, now that we're three years past at the time of this recording from the wonderful year that shall not be named, like a compliment <laughs> for a colleague, especially if it's one of those detailed compliments, like, hey, like, I like your freaking outfit. Like, it's so radiant and shiny today. Like, you, like the shoes are matching your freaking blouse or whatever. It's like making sure you encourage someone today. Or like even sometimes even calling or texting somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Heck, even gifting somebody something that could be encouragement as well. You can gift folks stuff through Amazon. It's like, hey, you're buying this for someone else. Like, hey, just go ahead and buy it for someone else. For the heck just for that because folks love positive small surprises like that if you really know what they like and one i guess in a way my podcast is also a way of giving back while learning from other authors too because the thing is like podcasting takes a lot of work as i'm probably preaching to the choir to you mike because it, it takes a lot of work i remember my first like 12 16 months of podcasting when anybody would ask me how I would do it, I'd be like, oh yeah, podcast, that's a freaking lazy man's radio station, like, no, it's freaking not, you can't be <laughs> lazy and be a podcast host, those two don't go to freaking together, if you're an actual podcast host who consistently puts out content, so it's like, hey, like, really just helping other people, connecting with other people, reminding folks that they are truly great, and making sure that you have at least one good thing to say about somebody, and if you don't, then it's probably best not to say it at all. So it's like, hey, if there's an if there's an area that could use some polish per se, and they ask for the feedback, I mean that can be a way to, especially if you can show them or give an example of how to really polish as well. So those are just a few things I do today to really pay it for. Because really, if I'm I'm really standing on the shoulders of giants, because like, hey, if folks haven't encouraged me, I wouldn't be on this show with you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I used to say to students every morning on announcements before the, the day started, I'd say, you know what? Be kind today. It's the easiest thing you can do for someone else. So I love your random act of encouragement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I'm purposeful in doing that. All right. One more question for you, and then uh, I'll get you on your way with Sharon where we can all find you. All right. So it's kind of a twofold question because I'm, I'm curious to know if you've, you know, if you have a, if you have one for this, but I also want your own. So you've interviewed over 500 people on your podcast. You said you're upwards of 700 episodes at this point. Best advice you've gotten from an author about being an author, kind of stealing, I, I'm stealing it for myself sort of, so that's fine. And then your own advice, not just for authors, but for people on their journeys, right? People who are writing their prequel right now. So twofold question, best advice you've gotten from an author you've interviewed 
and your own advice for listeners just trying to live their their best lives right now. Sure thing, and funny enough, I'm glad you took time for that question too because first time I actually remember repeating this answer on a podcast. It was a guest last year, I believe. Forgot the episode number, but it was Tracy Hazard. She actually published a children's ebook about uh, a little penguin called Penguin's Little Chill Spot or something like that. <laughs> and the episode title, if I'm not mistaken, was Create, Innovate, Dominate. And she has a couple podcasts of her own. She, she even has her own podcast hosting platform called Poditize. Combining podcast with monetization. Who would have knew? And long story short, I guess, <laughs> before it becomes a long story longer, her advice was really to repurpose your content, especially if you're looking to get in one of those anthology books where, kind of like Chicken Soup for the Soul, where you're basically part of someone else's vision where it's like, oh yeah, they're the editor and visionary author, but they gather 20 or 30 other authors to write 500 to like 3,000 word story to contribute to the book where she mentioned that if someone wanted her to be a contributing author to a book anthology, she would just take one of her past podcast interviews and transcribe that, and then that would be her entry into a book. So that's just one way of repurposing your content. Like, don't sleep on your content, because you may put a lot of content out there. Like, I've been on at least 100 to under 50 podcast interviews so far and i'm pretty sure at least a good 50 of them this one included would be great for a book if i can just find the time to transcribe them and have someone really do the ghost writing thing so i could have some time saved for my own as as a way to do it if i decided to go that route so like don't sleep on your past content just go ahead and repurpose it like like past teaching lessons if it was something outside of class where you were teaching on the side and you're trying to do the educational entrepreneur thing or again like an episode that's coming out soon on the going north podcast the mind of an academic entrepreneur where she was this uh nancy k napier i believe where she's published so much work that they're able to call her a distinguished professor like taking all that level of creativity that educators have and really repurposing that work and just life advice all together, like for writers or even with anything you want to do, like the thing is never lose that hunger, never lose that fire. Find ways to keep that fire burning no matter what, because the thing is, in this lifetime, you're going to be hit. You're going to be hit hard. Like one of my favorite quotes of all time was from Mike Tyson, and it's kind of funny when it he's such a polarizing figure. It's funny hearing the reaction to some folks, but like his quote is that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And life is going to punch you in the face. It's going to kick you in the gut and probably punch you in the nuts. It's probably going to punch you down there below the belt. Like, it, it's going to hurt hard. It's going to blindside you hard. Like, this year, I've been blindsided pretty hard early Q1. And still dealing with that because I have another aging parent now. My first, my dad, he died. And now mom's going through her process now. So, like. My 2023 bingo card has opened up to a new area where it's like, oh, wow, talk about left field. So there's going to be times where you're thinking going to be moving one step forward, but there's going to be a two-step back punch that's going to come. So the quicker you can regroup and never lose that fire and hunger for success, you'll be better off for it. Thank you for sharing that, and thanks for being vulnerable in your, <clears throat> in your story with your 
parents there. And I, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying that, you know, I mean, I've, I've had that happen to me. I had it happen to me as a kid. I have had it happen to me as an adult, you know, my, my plan was to be a principal for the rest of my life. And, and I got punched in the face with some health stuff and, and needed to, to step away and find a new way to lead. And what I'm learning, Dom, is that, you know, being, being a leader doesn't mean that I have to have the title. You know, it doesn't mean that yep. I have to sit in the big fancy office. I, there are other ways for me to lead. And uh, that's why I started this podcast. I wanted to, I wanted to find a new way to lead and I wanted to find a, a way to inspire. And, and that's really all it is, right? Being a leader is inspiring others to, to become the best version of themselves. And tonight you've helped me to help others do that. And I appreciate you so much, my friend, for, for, uh, for taking the time to, to do that with me. And if you ever need a, a, co- a co-author, you hit me up, man. We'll write a real fire book. I'll tell you that right now. You and me, we'll, we'll collaborate on something real good out there. Um, but before you go, I, I, I need you to share where we can find you. Uh, where, where on socials, websites, anything that you want to share with the listeners and, and uh, blast that out. And I'll make sure it's running across the screen with a snap of a finger as you're talking. Hey, it's all good, my man. Thanks a bunch, Mike. First off, for having me on your podcast, man, and glad you're still kicking, man. I know we had a delay, but hey, it wasn't a denial, so thanks, Mike, for having me on your podcast, man, because that means something is working. <laughs> like I say, if someone invites you to be on the podcast and, and it happens, that means something's working. And for those who want to keep in contact with yours truly, head over to DomBrightman.com. That's DomBrightman.com, and be sure to subscribe to the Going North podcast there at DomBrightman.com. And there's even a free gift, too, if you decide to subscribe to my good old monthly News a letter indeed all on dombreitman.com. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. We'll make sure that we have that rolling across as you're talking there and, and, and so people can follow it. I'll put it in the description uh, for everyone as well. So again, Dom, thank you so much, man. And, and I uh, stay in touch. Anything that, you know, I can do to add to your, your story, I'll be sure to, to be there and, and, and help you out. But I appreciate you so much being on and taking the time to talk to us tonight, my friend. <laughs> Wow, 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 and wow. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that there was enough space for all the positive energy in the studio between Dom and myself, but what a good time I had interviewing him, talking to him beforehand, talking to him afterward. Just a blast. A really positive-natured person who has a clear passion for, for reading, for writing, and I think where we align there is pretty clear. So I, I just want to do some quick reactions to some of the things he said before I send you all on your way. We've already, we're close, close to an hour and I've been trying to keep these shows uh, under that. So I'm going to move through it pretty quickly, but I did want to highlight some of the things that resonated a lot with me. And, and the first we talked about a little bit more in depth during our conversation. And that was the comparison gap that we tend to have for ourselves with other people or even to ourselves. And I think it's really important as you continue to write your story, as you are in the midst of, of your prequel to not get caught up in those moments of comparison. It's, it's difficult, right? We scroll social media, we see the great things people are doing. I struggle with it from time to time. I see someone speaking here, their books out and, and, and I get caught in that moment. And I think, 
as it's human nature to feel that way. But know that your story is going to be written on your timeline, not someone else's. Do not get caught up in someone else's timeline, someone's, someone else's successes, because as he said, everybody's going through their stuff. We see 10% of the green grass, not 90% of the brown grass. And I think that that's a really important thing to remember when it comes to our world of social media. It's everybody's best day, right? Everybody's best day. That's why I appreciate when people put on their, their scars. I think if we can put light to our scars, there's, there's leadership value in that. So don't get caught up in comparing yourself to other people. Additionally, another uh, thing that, that caught my attention was his quote uh, that he used from John Maxwell, what good will you do today? And he talked a little bit about a good day starting the night before. And I think that's really important. When I was in uh, the building as a, as a principal, I would often get caught up in, well, what are the things I have to do tomorrow? And my mind would turn into this like negative sort of mindset. I'd go down the rabbit hole. Oh, I've got to find coverage for this many people. I have five meetings. I don't want to pull a specialist tomorrow. How can I make this work? How can I tape the day together, right? Or I've got this parent to call and I know they're going to be upset about what it is I'm calling for. Or I have this meeting and I know it's going to be a little bit, eh, it's going to be a tough one. Or I have this observation, all of these things, right? I wasn't putting myself in the right mindset. So I love that phrase of a good day starts the night before. So try every night to think of three positives from that day and then think of three more positives that you have coming up the next day. And I bet, I bet, or send someone a message who makes you feel good before you go to bed. Someone that, you know, puts you in a good mindset and, and, and you're doing yourself and also them a favor by connecting. Because if you do that for one another, then that's a, that's a real, that's a real good way to start the next day. Uh, he also said to the random acts of encouragement, you know me, if you know me, I should say, some of you might not know me, but if you do know me, that's kind of my wheelhouse. That's what I love. Uh, just being kind. It's so easy and it costs you nothing. And it's the best gift you can give to someone. So keep doing some random acts of kindness. And if you're not doing random acts of encouragement and kindness, start now, like this second, pick up your phone and encourage somebody and be kind to them. And then I loved the end with his uh, Mike Tyson quote, keep the fire burning. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Listen, our stories are meant to have trials and tribulations. We are not meant to live this life perfectly, but we are meant to live it with purpose. Okay. There's no perfection in life, but there's purpose. Don't worry about the perfection. Worry about your purpose. Okay. And when your purpose feels like it's getting derailed, the, the plan that you put into place to reach that purpose, go back to the beginning. Don't get caught up in comparing yourself. Go back to the beginning, go back to the purpose and then get back on the path again. Okay. If there's a roadblock, take a few steps back, remember your purpose and move around it. We are not meant to be perfect. We are meant to live with purpose. And that's where I want to leave it. And that's where Dom helped me to see tonight. And I want to thank him once again for coming on the show. We had to readjust after my elbow surgery and he was gracious and, and rescheduled with me right away. And we were able to get it done tonight. And I'm, I'm very grateful for his time, for his knowledge, for his input. I told him that I would love to collaborate on a book. So Dom, if you're listening, uh, 
hit me up, man. Let's do this. That we could have a lot of fun. I'd really enjoy that. All right, y'all. Remember where you can find me, www.mikeazelina.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mike Azelina. You can follow me on Facebook, Mike Azelina. And you can follow me on Instagram, at Azelina M. And I'm still working on the TikTok thing, Mike Azelina 5. Still got some stuff going on there. But make sure you, you tag along, follow, and, and enjoy there. Once again, I want to thank Dominique Dom Brightman for his time tonight and all of his insight. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Remember to keep writing your story and along the way, make someone else's story a little bit better too. You are loved and you matter. And I'll talk to you next time here on the prequel. Much love.